Lesson 10 for August 29 to September 4. Philip as Missionary. Sabbath afternoon, August 29. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, there are some interesting things that happen in the Bible. Lots of them, but one that stands out is the story of Philip the Evangelist and his meeting with the Ethiopian. But there's more to his life than that. And as we learn lessons from that life today, we pray that we may see Jesus more fully, that your Holy Spirit will guide us, that our hearts and our lives may be enriched. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's read that again, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. World Mission was the main concern of the risen Christ during the forty days between his crucifixion and ascension. The New Testament preserves at least five of his great commission statements, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Mark 16, verse 15, Luke 24, verses 47 to 49, John 20, verse 21, and Acts chapter 1, verses 5 through to 8. Together, they constitute the greatest assignment ever given to Christians. Among the commands was a geographical strategy for mission outreach, from its Jerusalem base to Judea and Samaria, then ultimately to the ends of the earth. This was a command that they indeed took seriously and set out to fulfil. This geographical strategy is prominent in the mission work of Philip the Evangelist, According to Acts chapter 8, his work extended outward from Jerusalem in expanding circles. That is, it kept spreading farther and farther as time progressed. Who was this Philip the Evangelist? What does the Word of God tell us about him and the work that he did during the earliest days of the church? Finally, what lessons can we take away for ourselves from the inspired record of this early missionary? Sunday, August 30, Philip the Evangelist. In 2 Corinthians 4.18 we read, We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Question. Think about what Paul is saying here, especially as we study this week about Philip the Evangelist someone of whom we know little except for the few references in the Bible. As we will see, though, Philip did a great work, even though most of what he accomplished we know little about. Who are some people whom you know of who have done great things for God, but with little outward recognition? Why is it always important to keep the principle of Paul's words in mind, especially as we do a work that doesn't garner much acclaim or attention. Have a look also at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Being defamed, we entreat. 
We have been made as the filth of the world, the outscouring of all things until now. Philip was a popular Greek name that means horse lover. In the New Testament, there are four persons called by that name. Two had the additional name Herod and were part of the Herodian ruling family, which exerted a generally harsh rule over Israel in New Testament times. The remaining Philips had outstanding roles in mission. The first, Philip of Bethsaida, was a disciple who was instrumental in bringing Nathanael to Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 43 to 46 describes that. The following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Later he brought Greeks to Jesus, as we read in John chapter 12, verses 20 to 21. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. The second Philip was designated the evangelist in Acts 21, verse 8. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He was called Philip the evangelist to distinguish him from Philip the disciple. He first appeared in the Jerusalem council as a table waiter, and we read about that in Acts chapter 6, verses 2 to 5. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte, from Antioch. He turned out to be an evangelist and a missionary, as we read in Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. His missionary service, extending over twenty years, and supplemented by his four prophesying daughters, is mentioned in Acts. We know little else of his background. Ellen White writes in Sketches from the Life of Paul, page 204, It was Paul who preached the gospel to the Samaritans. It was Philip who had the courage to baptize the Ethiopian eunuch. For a time, the history of these two workers, Philip and Paul, had been closely intertwined. It was the violent persecution of Saul the Pharisee that had scattered the Church of Jerusalem and destroyed the effectiveness of the organization of the seven deacons. The flight from Jerusalem had led Philip to change his manner of labor and resulted in his pursuing the same calling to which Paul gave his life. 
precious hours were these that Paul and Philip spent in each other's society, thrilling with the memories that they recalled of the days when the light which had shone upon the face of Stephen, upturned to heaven as he suffered martyrdom, flashed in its glory upon Saul the persecutor, bringing him, a helpless suppliant, to the feet of Jesus. Monday, August 31, Waiting on Tables Question. Read Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47, and Acts chapter 4, verses 34 through to 37. What kind of picture of the early church is presented here? First of all, Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 44. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as any one had need. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved." And Acts chapter 4, verses 34 to 37. Nor was there any one among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as any one had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having sold land, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. No question, things were for a time going quite well among the early believers. Of course, everyone has fallen, and before long, some tensions started to arise. Question. Read Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. What problems arose, and how did the church deal with those problems? Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Rapid growth of the Jerusalem church brought with its social tension. Philip was appointed to a team to deal with it. Converts included underprivileged and economically challenged persons whose 
participation in the daily common meals placed increasing demands on church leaders. A murmuring about unfair distribution of food to Greek-speaking widows emerged. This was especially sensitive because of reminders by the Hebrew prophets not to neglect widows and orphans. To resolve this serious issue, all twelve apostles gathered the believers and proposed the appointment of seven men, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who would literally deaconize the Greek for serve tables, so the twelve could deaconize the word, as we saw in Acts chapter 6 verses 3 and 4. All seven had Greek names, perhaps indicating a balancing of welfare service for the neglected Greek-speaking widows. Among them was Philip, the first time that this Philip is mentioned in the Bible. The apostles argued that additional leadership was needed so that they should not be overworked by the administration of the resources necessary for communal life. They emphasized that their call was to devote themselves to the word of God and to prayer. And so to finish today, what are some of the potentially divisive issues in your own local church, and how can you allow God to use you to help ease them? Tuesday, September 1, Philip in Samaria. Saul, a future apostle and missionary, makes his first appearance in the Bible at the stoning of the deacon Stephen, the first Christian martyr. This wave of persecution only helped to further spread the gospel. Question. Read Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 6. What was the result of the persecution of the church in Jerusalem? Acts 8, beginning at verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Samaria was the first stop on the geographical spread of Christianity. Samaritans considered themselves descendants of Israelites left behind when Assyria exiled most of the Israelites in 722 BC. The Jews, however, considered Samaritans to be descendants of foreigners that the Assyrians forcibly settled in Israel. Jewish-Samaritan relationships during the New Testament era were marked by tensions and outbreaks of violence. However, as we saw earlier... Jesus had already paved the way for mission work there when he dealt with the woman at the well, who, in turn, began to evangelize her own people. Philip's call to wait on tables now became that of a missionary evangelist to the Samaritans. 
As a refugee fleeing religious persecution in Jerusalem, he did not waste his time. He proclaimed that the Messiah, awaited by both Jews and Samaritans, had come, as we read in Acts chapter 8, verses 5 and 12. Question. Read Acts chapter 8, verses 6 to 15. How successful was Philip's ministry in Samaria? Acts 8, beginning at verse 6. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him, because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles, who were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Philip was used mightily of the Lord in this early foreign mission field. The statements of the woman at the well, that Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, had now become a thing of the past. So, to finish today, what animosities, grudges and prejudices that have poisoned your soul need to become things of the past? Isn't it time to let it all go? Wednesday, September 2, with the Ethiopian. According to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39, Philip's next contact was with the Ethiopian treasurer administrator, bringing mission another step toward the end of the earth, as recorded in Acts 1.8. Philip was the link between Samaria and the Gaza mission. From Samaria, north of Jerusalem, Philip was called to Gaza, which is south of the city. His work in the north focused on a group. Here, it focused on a single person. In Samaria, Philip could proclaim Christ only from the five books of Moses, for this was all the Samaritans accepted. Here, he could also use the book of Isaiah, probably in a Greek translation. Question. Read Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. As you read, answer the following questions. What were the texts in Isaiah, from Isaiah 53, that the Ethiopian was reading, and why would they have given Philip the perfect opportunity to evangelize him? Well, let's begin Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. 
And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And, sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture where he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and, beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, rejoicing. Question. In contrast to Philip's work in Samaria, where he did miracles, as recorded in verse 6 of chapter 8, all he did with the Ethiopian was study the Bible. What point can we take away from this for ourselves as we minister to others? The Spirit of the Lord called Philip away as soon as he had finished explaining the good news about Jesus and had baptized the Ethiopian. Philip had no opportunity to transmit his beliefs and teachings to his new convert. The Ethiopian was left to embrace the Christian faith in the context of his African culture, guided by the Old Testament and the Spirit of God, which had already been working in him, for he already was a worshipper of the Lord and a believer in his word. So to finish today, Philip explained to the Ethiopian crucial Old Testament text about the death of Jesus. Why must Jesus, his death and resurrection, be central to the message we give to the world? What is our message without him? Thursday, September 3, Philip as evangelist, father and host. Philip clearly was anointed to do the Lord's work. Commentators are divided on what the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip in Acts 8.39 means, whether he was simply told to go to Azotus, as it reads in verse 40, or was miraculously transported there. Either way, the crucial point for us is that Philip was a man surrendered to the Holy Spirit, and thus God was able to use him to do a great work for him. Question. 
Read Acts chapter 8 and verse 40. What does it tell us about Philip that helps us to understand why he was named the Evangelist? Acts 8 verse 40, But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Another question. Read Acts chapter 21 verses 7 to 10. What can we learn about Philip from these few verses? Acts 21 verses 7 to 10. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemus, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we, who were Paul's companions, departed and came to Caesarea, and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. At this stage of the story, we learn that Philip was a family man with four unmarried daughters. Philip's call out of the deaconate into evangelism involved him in extensive travel. We know about the journey from Jerusalem to Samaria, then on to Gaza, followed by all the towns on the 50-mile or 80-kilometre coastline between Azotus and Caesarea. There were probably unrecorded journeys. Like all the pioneering missionaries, he would have been harassed, inconvenienced and subjected to the ups and downs such commitments entail. Still, he managed his family in the extent that four daughters were deemed by the Holy Spirit suitable to receive the gift of prophecy. This testifies to good parenting and true godliness in this pioneering Christian missionary family. The text reveals that the Apostle Paul stayed with Philip a number of days. Verse 10. Twenty-five years earlier, Paul, then named Saul, had been an aggressive and fierce persecutor of the Christians. His persecution of Jerusalem, believers, forced Philip to flee to Samaria as we previously read in Acts chapter 8. Now, years later, persecutor and persecuted meet in the home of Philip, who hosts Paul's visit. What an interesting meeting of brothers and fellow workers with Christ in the great cause of bringing the gospel to the non-Jewish world. And so to finish today, in our work for others, why is it so crucial to never forget our first obligation to our families? Friday, September 4. From the book, The Acts of the Apostles, page 106, we read, When they were scattered by persecution, they went forth filled with missionary zeal. They realized the responsibility of their mission. They knew that they held in their hands the bread of life for a famished world. And they were constrained by the love of Christ to break this bread to all who were in need. And further on, in page 106 and 107, And when his disciples were driven from Jerusalem, some found in Samaria a safe asylum. The Samaritans welcomed these messengers of the gospel, and the Jewish converts gathered a precious harvest from among those who had once been their bitterest enemies. And that brings us to our two discussion questions for this week. 
One, as we've seen, the gospel breaks down barriers between people. At least, that is the ideal. The reality has at times been radically different. What is it about human beings, even among Christians, among those who understand that we are all the same before God, who understand that the cross is the great equaliser, that we allow cultural, social and other barriers to divide us to the great extent that they still do? How can the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is so universal, discourage such prejudices? And question two. As we saw, the persecution of the early church caused believers to flee, and as a result, the gospel started spreading in ways that it might not have done without persecution. Though God was able to bring good out of it, we must remember that religious persecution is never good, never right, never justified. What should our attitude be toward those who are facing religious persecution, even if we don't agree with their religious beliefs? And it tells us to look at Luke 6, verse 31, which I think is a pretty wise text at this point. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Inside Story. Our mission story this week is a continuation of Despair of Hope by Chenghorn Tian from Cambodia. That night, Chen sold five books for five dollars each. She was convinced that God is the true God, but a month later her husband told her to stop selling books. Your work is bringing shame on me, he said. Chen's husband demanded that she stop believing in Jesus and stop selling books. I can't do that, she told him. I believe in Jesus. I have seen his power at work, and I am selling books to feed myself because you refuse to give me any money. If you refuse to give up this nonsense, I will leave you, he said. But Chen refused to give up her faith. When she was baptized a few months later, her husband left her and went to live with his mother and his sons. For several years, Chen has tried to visit her sons, but she hasn't been allowed to see them. Although her life is difficult, Chen has not let her personal troubles discourage her. She continues to sell literature to support herself and invites people to the church when they show interest in the books she sells. When people are too poor to buy a book, she urges them to come to the church to meet God. She shares her testimony with them and testifies that God is faithful to those who trust him. One woman who used to pay Chen to paint her nails asked Chen why she had become a Christian. Chen smiled and told the woman that God is a loving and powerful God and he answers her prayers. As the two women stood talking outside the woman's home, the woman realized that one of her precious earrings was missing. We must find it the woman said, feverishly searching in the dirt for the missing jewellery. I inherited this from my mother. I must find it. The two women searched together for the earring. Chen knew that if they didn't find the earring, the woman might accuse Chen and the church. The earring was found, 
The woman was so impressed that Chen's God could help her find her earring that she asked Chen to take her to Chen's church on Sabbath. Chen was crushed when her husband told her that he no longer wanted her for his wife. But Chen put her trust in God, and recently she met a global mission pioneer, and the two planned to marry. Truly, God has provided for all my needs, she says with a gentle smile. Your reader for this week's lesson has been Dr. Percy Harold. This lesson is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is always faithful.